Ethan is uh, he's been guarding the paint for quite some time, preaching the word, being a young minister. And uh, so he uh, earned himself a week off. And so uh, he's, I believe, somewhere camping and spending some time with the Lord. And uh, we uh, thank him. And uh, we are starting a new ser- we are starting a new series. It's called Chosen. It's called Chosen. And um, what are, can I get the other slide? We'll come back to that one. Yeah. I'm going to give you the heads up. This is how it's going to go. As a spinoff from the last sermon series message, Fruit That Lasts, Chosen is the series. This series will focus on the importance of what being chosen means regarding one's identity and spirituality. In our modern Christian context, being chosen is regarded more as being unique, adored, or loved. It is more or less comfort for the Christian who feels lonely or insecure about their identity. But this is only half of the meaning of being chosen. From a broader biblical context, God has elected, chosen his people, not for their own gratification or security, rather to bless the entirety of humanity by drawing them back into an intimate relationship. With their creator. Got another slide for me? Ethan has also been our our administrator type guy uh, of the the social media methodology. (laughs) This series will begin with an introductory message, that's what I'm going to do, that orients the congregation in the biblical vision of being chosen. For the remainder of the month, select members will have the opportunity to share a testimony of what's being what being chosen has called them to in life. Now you can come with that slide with the. Yeah. Before we jump into it, let's go ahead and have a prayer. God, we thank you for this time to come to you. Father, your word says that we ought to acknowledge you first. And as we acknowledge you, you will make our path straight. Father, we know that you are with us. We know that you are here. We pray for your spirit to be unleashed. We pray, Father, for the spirit of fear, anything that comes from the evil one, to be shackled right now. Open our hearts. Father, help us to be courageous and to hear your word as it needs to be heard. Help us to have courage to follow it. Father, we lift up our special missions. We lift up the Ukraine and Russia. We lift up those who have lost loved ones. Father, we pray for the communities nationwide that have been victims of shootings. We pray for those communities, those families, the hopelessness. Father, we pray that you bring comfort right now. God, we pray at this time that that you would move that your spirit would speak, that I would get out of the way, that you would do what you do best. Use weakness to bring about your strength, your power, and your glory. We thank you for this time, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. So, we were in John 15, and uh, Ethan and I had been having some conversation about John 15, and especially this word chosen as we heard it, and he talked about it a little bit. 
And in John 15 and 16, it says, you, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Amen. Now, Jesus chose his disciples. And if, you know, all the things that we studied out and we look at the Old Testament, when, when disciples are chosen by a rabbi, they are chosen and they are certain people that are chosen. Yeah, not everybody's chosen. They're chosen for a reason, to pass on a message from their rabbi. Jesus imitated this. Jesus went along with the culture. Jesus chose his disciples specifically. Let me read a little something from the Net Bible, a little subtext. It says that you did not choose me. Let me take a page from Kirsten. You did not choose me, but I chose you. If the disciples were now elevated in status from slaves to friends, they're friends who have been chosen by Jesus rather than the opposite way around. Again, this is true of all Christians, not just the 12. And the theme that Christians are chosen by God appears in other New Testament scriptures, it's also in the Old Testament when, when, when God talks about the Israelites and they're chosen, they're appointed, they're elected to live out, to be restorers. In Romans, in Ephesians, in Colossians, in 1 Peter, there are, there are, there are verses that Jesus talks about, writers talks about, about being chosen. Putting this together with the comments of John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command, but you are chosen. One may ask whether the author sees any special significance at all 12. Jesus said in John 6, 70 and in John 13, 18 that he chose them. In John 15, 27, Jesus makes clear that the immediate, it's made clear the immediate context is addressing those that have been chosen and been with him from the very beginning. Yeah? In John's gospel, the 12, as the most intimate and most committed followers of Jesus, are presented as models for all Christians, both in, in terms of their election and in terms of their mission, and in terms of their mission. Now, Having said all that, I'm going to model what the guys are going to be speaking like. Guys, gals, Christians. I'm going to model what that's going to look like. And there are a couple of questions and places that you can go from, that we'll go from. And the first question that I'd like for you to ask yourself as we talk about being chosen, because I believe that we're all chosen specifically. We're chosen, there's a general piece, but we all have a specific piece for each of us. Amen. We have a specific piece for each of us. But, but when I ask myself this question, what have you been chosen for? I believe we've all been chosen to love God and to love people. Amen? That, that is a universal thing. When Jesus got tripped up, when they tried to trip up, Jesus 
the most important thing? Love God and love your neighbor. That's the first and second greatest commandment. So first off, we've got that peace to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor. Amen? The other idea that comes to mind for me when I think about being chosen and what I'm chosen for, it's to be blessed, to be blessed and to be a blessing. Be a blessing to the people of God that that he's placed in front of you. And I believe that that is for all of us. As much as you understand the blessings of God that you've received, be that blessing to the people around you. Scripture says that God doesn't withhold his blessings from good and evil. He blesses everyone. How would somebody come to know God if they didn't get an opportunity to experience his blessings? The other pieces is that we are all created in the image of God. And so there are inklings of the blessings of God that we all share with each other. But to get to that consistent peace. Yeah. There's something that be, that, that's called being able to, to rely on the Spirit's power. Amen. You know, for me personally, when I think about my relationship with God, one word comes to mind and it sticks out. It's repair. Amen. It's repair. Is this on? Okay. It's repair. The thing that I want you to understand, when we see in Scripture, sin comes into the world, it maims, it breaks, and God throughout history uses the Israelites and eventually Jesus and God's people to bring repair. There's two words that come to mind when I think of repair. One is restore and one is repair. There's a book by a fellow named Esau McCall, and he talks about throughout history, And documentation that people read scripture differently coming from different cultures. Some cultures read scripture and they think of it as building and restoring. Let's get back to. Yeah. But there's this other piece in scripture that that God repairs that which is broken. When I came into the kingdom, when I, I heard scripture, when it was read to me, I was moved by how my life could be different people would see me differently and there was opportunity for me to be in a safe place and for my life to change and for there to be transformation and for me to be treated as a first-class citizen now it doesn't always run that way I came in I had on a flannel and big baggy pants somebody goes you look like a schlep I hope that's not a cuss word. But I was kind of judged by some people by the way that I dressed. That was the beginning of questioning, where do the scriptures come into play? There's different cultures. There's opportunities. People that involved themselves in my life, they, they taught me, they discipled me, they walked with me, they, they helped me to, to allow the Holy Spirit to move in my life and bring about transformation. And so a lot of things that happened to me traumatically before I became a Christian, those things I was able to embrace healing, repair. And as I, as I experienced repair, I started to see things differently. Yeah? 
repair. That's the first thing that comes to mind when I think about being chosen, being elected, being appointed. Church, we are all elected, appointed to be repairers. Amen. We are here to do what God is doing. We are here to to experience his work. Now, if you're visiting and you're not a Christian and you're coming and you're going, man, I'm looking for something. You're in the place. If you're watching online, you're in the place. The scriptures, the kingdom of God is a place of repair. It isn't always, but the beauty of the kingdom of God is is that we can look at the scriptures and we can be redirected. Amen? So first off, for me, there's this piece of being chosen to be one that repairs. Okay, second question. And please ask yourself this question. How does God reveal to you what you've been chosen for? Our our life experiences are different. And I think over the course of time in my my paid ministry experience, I think over time I've learned that. It wasn't always like that. Yeah. It was this uniform. Everybody's got to have the same uniform on. It's uniformity. You know, there's no room for you if you don't wear khakis and a blazer. You got to have those shoes on. There's no room for that. More word. Say that with me. More word. More word. How does God reveal to you? Early in my paid ministry um, experience, I remember being in a situation in the early 2000s, and uh, one of my my teachers, one of my trainers, he and I had got into this this tough this 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 place, and and uh, Wendy, uh, yeah, we were in this place. I learned a lot of outward ministry ministry things, and I'm grateful for those things. But I remember we were having a conversation, and and he said something, and I'm like, this isn't scripture. And so I said to him, I said, you know, in my sheepish voice, I said, you know, it doesn't really say that in the scriptures. And his point to me, what he said to me was, you can either do it or you can find another job. And I mean, it, you know, we've all said things. But, but I remember that crossroads and in my life, being in the ministry, this was a, a job that, that I finally held for a while. And I remember as I heard him say that, there was this wrestle. Do I go back to, what do I go back to? I left everything to follow Jesus. What does that mean for me? Am I going to have to start over, blah, blah, blah? I'm wrestling with all these things in my head. But I did it. I did what he asked me to do. It went against my conscience. It went against my conscience, and I did it. And as I did it, and I started to do ministry, it, it, it just it ate at me all this time. But, but when I did it, and I went there, there was this, this voice. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But it was like, this is never going to leave you. This is going to be your thing. Yeah? This is going to be your thing. This is going to be your wrestle. 
Then I, I, you know, I wanted to be an evangelist. I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to be this. I worked on it. I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with being an evangelist. I was obsessed with speaking. Now I can, somebody else can do it. <laughs> but I remember after that scenario, I went to Alaska and I spoke at this gathering. All these people were in and I was just kind of one of the guys on the, on, on the venue, yeah? And so I spoke, and, and, and everyone, oh, and all this stuff, it was like this uproar. It was crazy. I wasn't the keynote speaker, but after I spoke, I became the keynote speaker. And so now all of the sessions, they, they rearranged all of the sessions. Who does that? They rearranged all of the sessions for me to be the speaker. No. Uh, <laughs> So, so now I'm the speaker, and, and there was this, this worn, tattered evangelist that was there, and he was kind of on his last leg, and we were talking, and he's like, man, that was really good, and, you know, he started putting these expectations on me, and, and I remember him saying what I just said to you, more word. He said, I'm going to come to hear you preach more word. Now, let me, let me, let me paint this, this picture for you. I'm in this place and I'm speaking and they're saying, hey, you got to be careful with how much you share about Jesus. This is this is not a spiritual thing, though you have a spiritual group of people. You've got to be careful with what you speak. Now, then they pulled me into this little spiritual thing and they said, OK, we're going to do this little spiritual piece. And, and you can talk about Jesus a little bit. But you can't go overboard. And so. It was like, okay, so invite whoever you, you know, invite who wants to hear. And if you don't want to hear, you don't have to come. Yeah? But I still want to respect the venue. Now, also, what happened was the people that were running this thing in Alaska, they said, man, you're so great. Will you mentor these grown folks? Will you mentor them? And will you move here? And you can start a church here, and you can connect with the other churches in Alaska. We'll, we'll fund it, all of this stuff. I love Alaska. And so I go, yeah, I, I, I'm going, okay, so now this, but, but don't talk about Jesus too much. So as I go into this venue, this old tattered evangelist goes, more word, more word. Don't talk about Jesus. You can move here. You can start a church here. You've got all these followers. So I got up and I shared, and I didn't share. I shared gingerly. I tiptoed around Jesus. And when I got done, it seemed like everybody was disappointed. And that old tattered evangelist, he was sitting back there as burly as can be with his glasses, and he looked up at me, and he goes, more word, more word. That never left me. I went to Washington, and I, I spoke in a... A, a conference there, and it was one of those venues, and they said, you can't talk about Jesus, yeah? We've got this venue, we want you to move here, we'll pay for you, you know, you'll be able to do your thing, and blah, 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 but there was a, a rapper that was there, and he went on before me, and they had this council of these, these elder people, yeah? And they like ran the whole thing and they're watching and they're all sitting there and they made sure that we all knew when you go up there and speak, you be easy with that Jesus stuff. 
and they sat there and they watched in front of the crowd. And this rapper comes up and he goes, I don't care what any of y'all think. I'm going to talk about Jesus. And the people that brought us in, everybody's eyes got wide. And I'm thinking a job situation, we'll never be able to come back to this venue again. And they would bring you out to this lake and they would have these, these giant sand. I mean, it was crazy. It was, this place was crazy. And this guy was throwing it all away. He was ruining it for everybody. I had to come up after this guy. And he's just like, I'm going to talk about Jesus. I don't care what you guys think. I'm going to do this because Jesus, he's my savior. He's the king. You got to rock. There is none higher. Y'all should bow down and call him sire. And I mean, the place is just fuming. And then I come up there and I'm tiptoeing around. Needless to say, that was the end of that venue. And we knew it was the end of the venue after that guy got finished. Yeah? I don't know what happened to him, but whatever happened to him, it, it wasn't good. Yeah? I remember that. You know, Jesus in, in John 13, Jesus is preparing his disciples for himself going to the cross. He washes their feet and he cleanses them and he's coaching them. He, he's telling them about the meaning of what he's doing. He's giving them the new commandment. He goes on to tell them the way of the Father. He prays for them. He tells them that you'll have a counselor though I'm leaving. You're leaving, where are you going? Tell us where you're going. He says, it's going to get hairy out here. You're going to experience some things. It's going to be bad for you. But you're going to have the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. He was coaching the disciples up before he was going to the cross. Yeah? And we get to this piece in John 15 where Jesus says, I chose you. You have appointed, elected to live out everything that you've seen, regardless of what happens. You are to live it out. You are to remain in me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will produce much fruit. But you've got to remain in me. I've chose you for that. You know, I was looking for something to put these slides on just in case it didn't work out. And this was, I, I rearranged my home office and I've got a million of these hard, these little, you know, whatever you call them, plugins where you, flash drives, yeah. You know, the only one that I could find was this one, the chicken. And I thought to myself, how quaint, a chicken. God, what are you telling me? Throughout my life, there's always been a call for there to be more word, for it to be less about people. People have told me, oh, speak like this. All the people that train me, you've got to speak like me. You've got to imitate me, and you've got to be able to do your best version of me, and everybody should know that I'm your teacher before you start speaking on your own. I've had people tell me, I don't like it when you speak like that. I like it when you speak like that. I don't like it when you do this. I don't like it when you You can't do this. You can't do that. Hey, you're great. All of this other stuff. And it's been for me a yo-yo. A yo-yo. 
like now during the course of that it has called me to dig deeper in the scriptures it has me to invest like I've invested in other things in my life and been successful it has brought me to this point this point that I was at in the early 2000s more word is the word more important than your comfort you know you signed up to follow me are you going to shrink back because someone threatens you Are you going to shrink back because this is how we do it? Are you going to shrink back because this isn't how culture does it? Are you going to shrink back because people don't like you? Are you going to shrink back because someone says, I don't like people that do good? Are you going to shrink back if there's 10 people in the room or 200 in the room? Are you going to shrink back on the streets? Are you going to shrink back from what God called disciples, those that he chose to do? I ask you this question. What rules your life? What things are you most afraid of? You know, there's something about following Jesus that calls us not only to repair, but to renounce ourselves. You know, John 3.30, John said when confronted with Jesus and what Jesus was doing, he says, I have to become less so that Jesus becomes more. You know, in Luke 9 and 23, Jesus says that, that people that come after him, have to, to, to carry their cross daily, and they have to deny themselves. Now, church, I say this to you. How often do you feel like you're really denying yourself like Jesus? We can say, well, I'm denying myself because I'm tolerating you. I'm denying myself because I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But remember when Jesus says, remain in in me and I'll remain in you and you'll produce much fruit. What does your fruit look like? Does it look like your comfort? Does it look like your security? Does it look like Jesus when he said, hey, I don't have a place to rest, rest my head if you follow me? Is it about others? Is it about repair? Lastly, how does what you've been chosen, how does what you've been chosen for fit into God's redemptive plan for the world? You know, in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I him in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So you have repair, you have renounce, and lastly, you have remain in Jesus. Alan Creeder, a church historian, notes that one of the primary reasons the church grew in its first 
300 years through persecution, oppression, and difficulties was Christians were committed to patience and perseverance. Whether it be in their business dealings, sexual morality, valuing women and children, care for the poor, or refusal to participate in violence. Yes, participate, refusal to participate in violence. They created a comprehensive culture of patience. In fact, Mr. Creter argues that the early church fathers wrote more about the Christian virtue of patience than about, than, than about evangelism. God, in dealing with Israel across the centuries, was never in a hurry. The people rejected and killed Jesus, but that did not frustrate God's purpose. God's mission is unhurried and is unstoppable. In fact, patience is the very nature of God. The fall of Adam and Eve was marked by human impatience, which was the original sin in the eyes of the Lord. Patience is a distinctive, distinctive sign of the Christian. It enables believers to live in the way of Christ amid the crisis, amid the crisis of their lives. That's from the patient ferment of the early church the improbable rise of, the Christ, of Christianity in the Roman Empire by Alan Creter. What are we chosen for? We're chosen to be people that repair our words, our lives, our actions bring life. Our lives, we should be dying to self, yeah? We should become more like Jesus. That fruit should look more like Jesus' fruit. And as it looks like Jesus' fruit, we probably should be in that position where Jesus is, where he's going to the cross, amen? Have we become comfortable with not going to the cross and looking at it? And then lastly, we are chosen, we are elected, we are appointed to live in the way of Jesus Christ, the trailblazer, patiently and persevere under trial, relying on the strength of the Lord. Amen? We're going to take communion together. And the thought that I want to leave you with is that Jesus has called us to and been victorious in something um, that God, God has done via Jesus. He's not calling us to do anything that he hasn't done. He's not calling us to feel anything that he hasn't felt. And he's with us all the way. The victory's been won. We have purpose. And it's all because of Jesus. So in our remembrance of Jesus, who is coming back? Let's remember those things that the cross brings for us. Repair, yeah? Transformation, 
an opportunity to be patient and walk with each other in the Lord while he walks with us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time to be together, to ruminate on your word, to be reminded of what you've called us to. Though challenging, the victory has been won. We're grateful, Father, for the transformation that takes place because of your sacrifice. We're grateful, Father, that we have opportunity collectively to be a people that bring about your love and goodness. God, we thank you so much for your patience with us that you exercise every day. We pray that more and more and more you become visible in our lives. We thank you in advance for the work that you've always been doing. In Jesus' name, amen.